Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Tuesday for today's episode that is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Uh, as promised on yesterday's show, we are going to talk about Giannis here today, and joining me to do so once again, a uh, very familiar voice on the podcast, good friend of mine from The Athletic, Wisconsin. It is Eric Name. All right, Eric, I, I figure we could have... A bit of a deeper dive into Giannis here and what we've seen from him early in the season. And a big part of this stems from uh, your fantastic story over at The Athletic about the the new offensive scheme that the Bucks are running. And uh, for anyone that hasn't caught this, Eric, you can dive into it a little bit more here. But Giannis so far this season, kind of funny because we've been asking the question, well, where has he exactly improved? Has he got better? Is he off to a slow start to the season? And it's kind of, it kind of feels like you want to say that he is, but at the same time through 15 games, he's still only playing 32 minutes per game. He's averaging 27 points, 10.5 rebounds, 5.3 assists, and he's been insanely efficient when he gets to his spot in the paint, the restricted area. Last time I checked, he was still up around 75%, which is actually <laughs> an improvement on where he was last season, which is just insane to think about. Uh, what's going on with Giannis early in the season? How have you uh, analyzed uh, his first 15 games? Because one of the other things we mentioned the other day when, when we were just chatting, Certainly in my head, I have it ingrained in my mind that he's been such a, a ferociously aggressive start starter to the regular season. And I think it was Frank that kind of pointed out that it hasn't actually been the case the last two seasons with Bud. But prior to that, obviously with Jason Kidd, that was the case. So maybe maybe our expectations are just way too way too high for this man. Yeah, no, I mean when you when you mentioned that idea, I I kind of thought the exact opposite. I was like, you know what? It's always felt like he's a slow starter under bud and i guess like the reason i remember it is just because uh they start off what six and oh last year um and then Giannis gets an elbow from aaron gordon misses a game and then you know like after that game we were talking a little bit and he's putting up good numbers as he does um and he's just like yeah man i just don't really feel comfortable like you know it always takes me like a little while to find my rhythm and I like I, it stuck out to me because I remember my editor being like, "What on earth is he talking about? Like he's putting up insane numbers." And I was like, "Well, like you know, he doesn't he doesn't feel totally comfortable with where his spots are quite yet. You know, he's not getting to the shots that he wants." And I just think that's always kind of a thing with him is that he plays himself into a rhythm. I think a lot of the time, and this was something that we heard from him when they got into the bubble as well um, that, you know, in those first couple games, he was just like, you know, I'm still trying to find my way. I'm still trying to find my rhythm. And, you know, we haven't played in this long and now we're playing in this place that we don't really understand. Um, so for him, that to me, that's always been a thing is that, you know, he's just not going to be in a great rhythm to start the season. But now that we are 16 games into the season, 
it feels like it's gone on a little bit further than it has in other years that typically, you know, like once you get through 10 games, he tends to feel pretty good about what he's doing. Um, so I do think one of the big things is that obviously they're in a new offense. And, uh, you know, as I wrote in my story, one of the big things with stinking, with sticking a player down in the dunker spot, um, and I don't know how much anyone, if you've discussed this or if people saw Marcus talk about it tonight, but like the dunker spots on the baseline, um, kind of what the goal was, was instead of a three-man front in the offense, it would be a two-man front. And that would take away the opportunity for teams to build the the wall at the free throw line. And I think that has been... I don't want to say undeniably successful, but man, it's a whole lot harder. Like teams are really struggling to build that wall at the free throw line and, you know, really frustrate them and keep him all the way out of, of the paint. But what we've seen is that they just build the wall a little bit further back that instead of it being at the free throw line, it's going to be in the lane. And I think that's why you're seeing more charges. I think that's why you're seeing him, um, you know, struggle with, I don't want to say the finish, but I don't think we're seeing as many, um, you know, he broke out that spin move against the Hawks uh, the other night. And it was just like, oh, I haven't seen that in a while. Like and a I did a bit of extra velocity on that spin move as well. Yeah, it was pretty right. Cool. No, it was like, it was like a really nice move, but you know, you just got so used to, you know, seeing that spin move, you get so used to seeing that Euro step that, I think they will be there eventually. Like, I think he will figure out exactly how he's going to get through this maze of help defenders. But at this moment, that spin move isn't there in the way that he's used to it being there. The Euro step isn't there in the same way that it's used, that he's used to it being there. And I, I think it's going to take him some time to figure out those spots. He hasn't done it yet, but they're the I don't I would have to look after the Hawks game. I don't know if they ended up going back up to one in offensive rating, but they were at one for most of the year. The Nuggets overtook them over the weekend, um, but I think they might be back at number one now. So like the the team success is there, the shots for everyone else are there. It's just him still trying to figure it out individually a little bit. And I think that's the interesting thing, and they have. I just pulled it up. Their offensive rating currently uh, 117.9. The Clippers in second, 116.8. Then Denver, as you mentioned, 114.9. And I think that that's, uh, that's has to be what the team looks at in terms of how successful this offensive system has been so far. If you have the number one ranked offense... Uh, maybe it means that Giannis is getting different shots. Maybe it means that he's not taking as many shots. But ultimately, uh, he's won two MVPs. And I keep saying this. It's, it's like, well, I, I don't really care. I don't think that he could possibly win it anyway. So if it does mean to start the season that he is a little bit uncomfortable, as you sort of hinted to, or he needs to take time to find out where he's supposed to be, then I think that that uh, ultimately is going to benefit this team come postseason time. And, and you mentioned where they're placing that that player in the dunker spot. And it's interesting because if you just think about it in your head, you will say, well, putting another body uh, where Giannis normally likes to score does seem like that would be detrimental to what he's trying to do. That's the first thought you have. But then you do see how the Bucks have been using uh, that guy to benefit in other ways offensively. And I know you wrote again about offensive rebounding the other day. The Bucks have been hitting the offensive glass, which has been resulting in second chance points. And that has helped the offense function a little bit better because that was really an area of the game they almost totally ignored. 
And if I think back to that series against Miami, it was second chance points that hurt them when Miami were crashing that offensive glass. So that can be the difference in a playoff series as well. Uh, the one thing that stood out to me from the Brooklyn game, and uh, I know you asked Giannis specifically about being used as a screener uh, post-game. Uh, Zach Lowe had the stats uh, on his podcast, and I'm saying this off the top of my head, so this is going to be very, very close if it's not what exactly what it was. But he was used in 36 uh, on-ball screens in that game. Uh, his previous high under Mike Budenholzer in a game was 21. I believe was the number that Zach Lowe said, which is just absolutely insane to think about that he almost doubled his uh, high under Budenholzer for setting those screens being used as a screener. And we saw how they, they used that, particularly in the mid-range with Chris Middleton walking into consecutive shots in a row. Uh, I know we spoke about Bryn Forbes a little bit on this podcast as well. He was able to get a few shots from those actions. So what other things have you seen from Giannis uh, on top of that, how they're using him? Because I do think that uh, as we've sort of discussed, getting him in different spots, different looks, and not just chucking him the ball at the top of the perimeter and saying, go figure it out. I, I think that that's going to help this team. All right, let's talk betonline.ag. Eric, uh, we know uh, that the NBA season is continuing to heat up. So if you are someone that is interested in sports betting, then there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Get more of the sports you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. I, I would mention on top of him just setting screens, he was hitting dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like Durant... Like, I don't know that I've seen Giannis set screens that good. Like, Durant was legitimately not getting around them. And when he was running into Giannis, like, he was taking a shot uh, each time. So, I, I, that was part of the reason why I asked that night. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that you really have to think about is um, the one of the big takeaways from his first 15 games is, like, Drew Holiday is really freaking impressive, man. <laughs> like, he, he just is. He goes to the rack. Okay, uh, you're a big man, whatever. I'm going to finish through you. Okay, you're a little dude. I'm going to finish through you. Uh, I'm going to finish with my left. I'm going to finish with my right. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to finish with the floater. I'm going to finish with the hook shot. I'm going to finish with the fadeaway. Like, okay, whatever. Like, his, his offensive repertoire is so impressive to me that when you're thinking about how does this offense take another step, especially in the postseason when when things get tougher? I think taking Giannis off the ball and finding a way to get Drew more involved, finding a way to get Chris more involved, I think that's a big part of this. And I think it's an especially um, an especially creative way to to kind of beat up on on teams that build the wall and teams that are going to stay off Giannis because. If you watch him, and let's say you're DeAndre Jordan and you want to cover him in the lane, all of a sudden you swing the ball to Giannis quickly and 
you go into a dribble handoff or you just have him go screen for somebody else. Like the space Chris Middleton had on those jumpers, it was massive. He had, DeAndre Jordan was 10 feet away from him when he was shooting some of these shots. That Not that it takes away the opportunity because sure, most teams would say like, fine, whatever. We're going to let Chris Middleton beat us, which he's really freaking good. He, <laughs> he probably will, but like that's probably preferable to Giannis doing it. But you just look at it and like, it, it's, it's not perfect. They haven't figured it all out yet, but like it's a really nice adjustment for teams that are going to sag way off of him. And, you know, we've heard again and again, uh, I, I mentioned it on a couple of like my radio hits locally, you know, Steve Kerr on Christmas day said, we're never going to cover him. Like, we're just we're never gonna cover him at the three point line, like because at that point we're just gonna we're just gonna give up and say he runs the league, like he's in charge if he hits forty percent from three, whatever. But we can't have him running and dunking at all times. So teams are gonna keep sagging on him. This is always going to be the play. And if all of a sudden you have new interesting ways to take advantage of that, like just look at what the Heat did to the Bucks last postseason when. Brooks stood way off of Bam Adebayo. Like, all right, cool. We're going to run a dribble handoff with this dude that can really shoot or someone that can get into the lane, like whatever it is. Like, I think it's, it's interesting to see them start to shuffle through all of these ideas. And uh, it's not, it's not a totally different system. Like it's not, you know, we're, we're running a totally different offense, but this is much more drastic than what we'd seen in other years where it was like, uh, you know, the adjustment we made is Chris posts up sometimes. Um, like it, it, this is real. Like this is real drastic new stuff. Well, I think that last point that you made in regards to how DeAndre Jordan was defending Giannis in that game was what I love so much about it because we've seen it before and I was watching that game and I was thinking about, and this series was not really a series, so it didn't matter, but Andre Drummond, do you remember in the first round two years ago, he did that and he, that was when he was waving off Giannis and it became a thing that Andre Drummond was just literally waving off as Giannis was shooting. It didn't matter because he was too good for that team. But the game that had also got in his head a little bit was Christmas Day in Philadelphia when Joel Embiid was doing the same thing. And the Bucs didn't try anything that day. They tried nothing. It was the same thing all game long. Giannis was just going to jack up an air ball or a brick of three because he was right. having one of those days where he wasn't able to find that shot. And that's going to happen. That's okay. I don't think anyone at this point expects that Giannis this season is going to transform into a 35%, 40% three-point shooter. No one believes that. But the fact that the Bucs said, okay, you want to defend him like that? We're going to try this. That's what I love about that game specifically. There's one thing that I, I haven't really spoken about, but I've just been thinking about it over the last few days because you mentioned the addition of Drew Holiday. And uh, we have spoke about the fact that with Drew, you feel like you now have a legitimate third guy on this team. But down the stretch in a big game in the half court, you can give him the ball and he's going to take the shot. And the thing that stood out to me uh, in the Dallas game, in the Brooklyn game, in the LA game, it was Drew. And it was Chris that had the ball in their hands. And it's kind of interesting to me because we talk about how much, you know, from the team offensive scheme, we like the idea of using Giannis as a screener. But I think we are overlooking that that might be really difficult for Giannis to take that role and accept that maybe the best way for this offense to function in the final minute of a game is not having the ball in your hands. 
And I just think it's an interesting dynamic and that's going to take time for this guy to, to maybe come to terms with that or maybe be on board with that or maybe not be happy about that. I just think it's an interesting conversation when you have a two-time MVP on your roster and now you're saying late in the games, oh, you're not really going to get the shot unless it is a pick and roll and you get a dunk or it's an LEU. But if not, Drew and Chris are going to have the ball in their hands. It's just a really interesting human dynamic that I think people are overlooking. Yeah, no, I, I think it's... It was interesting, you know, after those games because I had, you know, people sending me whatever clips it was on Sports Center or The Jump or I, I don't know, some some ESPN show. And it was just like, oh, you know, he, he can't be a closer or, you know, whatever it is. And, like, you, you obviously hope that Giannis doesn't, like, believe in that or, yeah. like, buy, buy into that. Because, I mean, for me, the thing I'd be thinking about is like, shit, just because I'm around, you're going to give yeah. the best mid-range shooter in the league wide open mid-range jumpers? Uh, sorry, Kevin Durant's probably better. Um, but <laughs> you're going to give Chris Middleton wide open jumpers just because you give that much attention to me? Like, okay, maybe I'm not making a shot, but I'm closing. Like, I'm getting my team open shots at all times because you care about me so much that you just won't let me have the ball. And it it is, it is obviously different, right? Like it being the, being the hero, making the shot, it is different. That it, that is something that everyone wants. Uh, obviously, you know, we saw Giannis do it at Madison square garden uh, on that little step back in, you know, that was always the idea that, like, eventually he was going to get to that spot and be that closer. But at the same time, like, you can close with a hook shot. One of the most famous plays Magic Johnson ever made was a hook shot to beat the Celtics in one of his, like, in one of his first playoff games. Like, that is a famous shot. You can, you can win and close that way. You can win and close with a fadeaway jumper. You can win and close – with a step through move. Uh, like there's so many ways that you can do it other than I have the ball, I'm dribbling and I took a step back jumper. Like I think, and, and if you're Mike Boonholzer and if you're anyone with the organization, like that's kind of what you sell Giannis on is that like, all right. Yeah. Like sometimes they give you so much attention that Giannis or, or that Chris or Drew's going to get a shot, but also you're going to get some shots too. And Maybe it's not going to look exactly the way that it has in the past, but it, all of this happens because of you, and you have to, you know, you have to hope as an organization that like that is cool with Giannis. But you're one hundred percent right. The human ego is is very powerful, and it's interesting because I do think the fact that they have been through a couple of postseason. Uh, failures now I think you need that as well and he's had the individual success where he ha is a two-time MVP so uh, not that that means that he loses any individual competitiveness we know what he is like but I do think that you do get to a point and certainly he gets to a point where he's had those disappointments and he's like you know what you want me to be the guy that assists the game winner I'll do it and the one <laughs> thing that I would say that you never complain about when people say stuff like oh he's not a closer he's not this listen you can never have too many guys that you think can get you a game winner at the end. Uh, the Bucs have gone from probably having two guys to now having three with, with Drew, Holiday, Drew Holiday joining, and I, I just don't think that that's a bad thing at all. Uh, defensively, 
it's been fascinating again. And I feel like this is a conversation we've been having for a number of seasons when it comes to those possessions down the stretch where it's like, well, what's Giannis kind of doing now? He's hanging out in the corner, like defending Montrez Harrell. Like what, what is happening right now while Pat Connaughton switches onto uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, these types of players. I think that it's, it's difficult to assess where the Bucks' defense is from a team perspective right now because of all the things we've spoken about, because of the different things they're trying to do. We spoke about Drew Holiday on yesterday's podcast, and I think guys are finding themselves in different position, positions, and that's why we haven't seen the same dominance from Brook Lopez and, to be honest, the same dominance from Giannis. Uh, how did you analyze the, those last minutes against that, in that Lakers game in particular? Because it was a little bit bizarre, and I guess we do have to keep in mind that Giannis was in foul trouble there, and that's always a factor, but... At some point, you do have to, tr- uh, you do just have to trust your superstar, one of the best defenders in the league, and say, "We're putting you in this spot. You got to defend this guy." And I don't know where the, I don't know where you put that emphasis on Giannis or, or Bud, but I think it's probably a bit of both. All right, let's talk about RockAuto.com quickly here, Eric. They're great friends here, great sponsors of the podcast. They are the family business that has been serving auto parts customers online for twenty years. Go to RockAuto.com. To shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, they have everything you need from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we came, you came from us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com March Madness is just a few months away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has his first big board of the year out with profiles on Kate Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So obviously the story I wrote off of that game was that in the post game, I asked Giannis, point blank, all right, Drew had AD. He had the ball on the left elbow. There's eight seconds left on the shot clock. <laughs> and you went over and you decided to help. So what was your thought process there? Because obviously you gave up an open three. And Crusoe isn't, isn't like a huge knockdown shooter or anything, but like, I think he's 38% on his career from the three-point line. Uh, so, you know, that kind of was the thought process. And he was like, oh, you know, we, I know that I need to help. I know that I need to show Anthony Davis bodies. And I asked Drew Holiday, all right, so you have this here. You guys give up a, a three on that play. What did you want to do? And Drew was like, I had him. I, I, we had eight seconds left on the shot clock. It was going to be a tough shot. And if he makes it, so be it. He makes a tough two, and and we're gonna live with that. But at some point, you have to, you you know, you kind of have to look inside and say, all right, this is one on one. Who's gonna get a stop? Who's gonna get a bucket? And and that's gonna be it. And you know, like I I brought it up to Bud, and Bud said, you know, like Giannis did pretty much exactly what I wanted him to do on that play. Um, and in my head, it's just like, 
So they are starting to do new things defensively. But I, I think one of the, the big things, and, you know, I've said this in a couple of different places, like there's, there's kind of this misnomer that switching is like lazy. And like, I think that kind of develops because, you know, if you're at your local pickup run and you don't really feel like covering somebody, you're just going to be like, ah, <laughs> oh, switch. Uh, Cause you're, you're beat. But like in the NBA, like switching is to like, it's pressure based. Like you are trying to make the other team incredibly uncomfortable. And part of making them incredibly uncomfortable is applying a lot of pressure. And then conversely, letting that person do what they need to do individually. Like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of pressure on me. I want to throw it to the wing, but that guy in the wing's also covered. So what do I do with it? And you're trying to ramp up the pressure and ramp up the intensity and really make it difficult on them. And to me, it's just like, they're, they're, they're taking baby steps here. Like defending Giannis AD pick and roll with a switch for the final four minutes of a game, that is unheard of under Mike Bunolzer. Mm-hmm. Like that is that has never happened. The next obvious solution is okay if they're going to switch every time. Why not have it be Giannis and Drew Holiday <laughs> yeah. instead of Brook and Drew Holiday? Because if you can trust Brook in that situation, you certainly should be able to trust Giannis in that situation. So I think there, and and on top of all of this. Um, this is like the same way as, you know, we talk about the Bucks, right? Like, uh, you know, they won all these games. They don't get done in the, in the postseason. Like, I, like the, the solutions are obvious, right? Well, they won 60 games. And they were the number one defense in the entire league for the last two years. And they were historically good last year. So, like, you do want to make changes. And you know that there are going to be things – but in the same way that we were talking about ego and Giannis closing, you know, Giannis has a trophy that says he was the best defensive player in the league last year. And he was the best defensive player in the league because he was helping. He was blocking shots on the backside. He was trying to cause havoc as a free safety. Like he was doing all those things and he's very good at that. So again, as, as you kind of referenced at the end of your question, I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's Bud that that is this prideful. I don't know if it's Giannis that is this prideful. But, like, at some point, you know, they have to say – and, I mean, I think the easiest way is, like, uh, did you you see the All-Star game last year, the 2020 All-Star game, Giannis? Like, I just stumbled on this tape. I was just watching it. You were so good against LeBron. You know, maybe we could do that, right? Like, (laughs) play to his ego. I don't care how you do it. But, like – he showed that he can do it. And there is some concern on ball. Giannis isn't great getting around screens, right? Like that, that is like a legitimate problem that we've seen. Sometimes with wing guys, he doesn't get through the screen. He gets caught on screens. But if you're switching, that doesn't matter. It's like, okay, I got caught on it. Okay, now I have this guy. So uh, I think that there is still another step. Um, they've done things way differently than they've done them before. But uh, I think you're right and. I honestly doubt we'll ever get an answer to who who is the one that ultimately makes the decision, right? Like, is it actually Bud? Is it actually Giannis? Um, but they're going to have to come together at some point and figure out, like, all right, 
the 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 final step to totally revamping this defense is Giannis. You're going to be on ball a whole lot more. Yeah, and listen, look, we are talking about one of, if not the best, help defender in the league as well, and that's why they have been so damn good. And even in that Lakers game, he had a pretty damn nice block uh, from behind on Giannis <laughs> off the backboard as well. Uh, so you can understand why it's tempting to have him in those situations. But as you said, human nature, as much as Drew Holiday says, I want to go one-on-one. If you see Anthony Davis backing down Drew Holiday in the post and Giannis, you think he's probably going to turn around and shoot and you want to be there to help and maybe come up with a highlight real block play and then everyone's talking about how great Giannis is defensively. So you understand why uh, these things happened and why that situation happened at the end of the game. But listen, we've seen Giannis. You mentioned the All-Star game. The other game that stands out to me was opening night where he did switch on to Jason Tatum and I know Tatum hit the shot, but you couldn't defend that man any better than what he did and it was a complete fluke that that shot went in anyway. So when yep. you have someone as talented as Giannis, it's just, uh, I don't know, you, you, can, you can win either way, uh, but that will be the next step if we start to see him put in those situations when they are, as you said, already adjusting and switching. Now all of a sudden you're making putting Giannis in those actions and having him defend uh, those star players. I think, I think that's the next step. But ultimately, uh, and overall, both offensively and defensively, again, I already said the numbers. I mean, 20, 27, 10, and 5. Let's, let's be honest. The guy's still putting up just <laughs> ridiculous stats and efficiency close to the basket. But it's, it's, it's a work in progress. They're doing a lot of different things. And he, perhaps more than anyone, has had to adjust his game a little bit to, to suit everything and to fit everything. And I don't think that that's as easy as what uh, a lot of people perhaps assume it is. And honestly, I mean, if you look around the rest of the team, like everybody else gets to to have a pretty fun role, right? Like (laughs) Chris gets a bunch more shots. Uh, He's getting the ball in playmaking situations even more. He's got the highest assist numbers of his career. Um, Drew Holiday gets to be a part of super easy actions where it's like, hey, you got some bum on you. Go to work. And he does, and it's great. And Brooke is now getting more corner threes instead of needing to heave up 32 footers. So it's like, all right, great. That works for me. And Dante is getting more touches and more points and more shots. So there's one person, you know, that like has to do the, like not only is he like most responsible for the team's success, he's also most responsible for the changes that the team is making. On both sides of the ball, like in in an ideal world, as as you mentioned, like defensively, it would be Giannis, right? Like him totally changing his role defensively would be how this goes. Offensively, they're having great success, but they're having great success because Giannis is getting them even better shots than he ever has before because of a new system that takes away his easy shots. So, like, it, it it's a lot, man, right? Like it's a lot, and he's still very good. And he's still putting up huge numbers and he's still going to be all NBA. Uh, and, and I would agree with you. I don't think he's winning another MVP until he gets a ring. Um, maybe that's harsh, but that just feels like kind of how voters will treat things. So um, if that's the case, I, I don't know if he realizes that or feels the same way, but you know, if that is the case, then well, go do some winning, right? Yeah, get yourself a ring. I think he would take that as well. I think that would be a, a pretty handy consolation prize for him. I, I don't think <laughs> right. he would be too upset about that. Hey, uh, it's after midnight, so we're actually recording this 
still post game from Atlanta. We just stuck in a little double episode action. Uh, you gave me a, a midnight cutoff. It's now twelve eleven, so uh, I've ran overtime. But I'm not even slightly surprised. Well, I mean, I just. I, I just got back in lockdown mode real quick, right? Like I hadn't done this in so long. It's it's fun to to get to talk about the team, and uh, no, I had a great time. And the Bucks this year are giving us a whole lot to talk about, so it's not a surprise that we ran over. Well, there's absolutely no one I would have preferred to do episode 1001 of Locked On Bucks with Eric, so I appreciate that. And by the way, for the listeners, almost everything that we've discussed here, uh, both on yesterday's show and today's show, all the different wrinkles, Eric's already written about it. So make sure you check out uh, his stuff over at The Athletic there. We always talk about it on this show, but uh, you just get a bit of insight that you don't often get anywhere else uh, over with his stuff. So make sure you check that out. Eric, appreciate it, man. Hey, man. Thanks for the kind words. Thanks for having me on. And uh Thanks for, you know, making a product that I had a lot of pride in even better than it has ever been before and somehow shepherding it through another 350 episodes and I'm sure another, maybe another thousand more. Let's get you to 2000. Yeah, well, you learn how to cheat and do two episodes in one night and stuff like this. It helps you uh, helps you get along uh, through the days there. But uh, like I said, check out Eric's stuff over at The Athletic. We'll leave it there for today for Eric and myself. Uh, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.